Hello, friends. It's your old pal, Aria Hawani, back with the final edition of DC and Hawani for 2020. Yes, what a year it has been. We made it. Well done to all of you. I am exhausted. Speaking of which, 30 for 30 podcast has just released a new episode entitled March 11, 2020. It's a standalone audio documentary that tells the story of the day the NBA shut down and the pandemic became real for so many Americans. As told by those who lived the events of that day and built entirely with archival and exclusive interviews, including Rudy Gobert and Dr. Anthony Fauci himself, March 11, 2020, we'll look back on a day that started in one reality and ended in a new one. 30 for 30 podcast presents March 11, 2020. You can get it right now by going to their feed, subscribe and listen right this second or after DC and Hawani, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, now on to today's program. And as always, listener discretion is advised. Enjoy. Now making their way to the microphone, DC and Hawani. Oh, look at you, waving your pencil in between your fingers. I mean, you're ridiculous. You're no one has ever looked smarter talking about cage fighting than this guy right over here. Here's Daniel Cormier and Ariel Helwani. Back in your life on this fourth week of December 2020. Hello again, everyone. Welcome back to a brand new and the final edition, at least of this year. This year, 2020. We're not wrapping this bad boy up. Final edition of 2020 of DC and Helwani. That's DC. Wrong way, man. Wrong way? You want to try to go the right way once? The other way. way. The other way. I'm Helwani, Ariel Helwani in DC. We have made it to the end. And, uh, you know, I was hoping to start this show off good vibes, good fortune. It ain't good right now. You said the last show of 2020. It might be the last show of all time, actually. It It might be. It seems like you're mad at me. Why are you mad at me? Man, you are just not a good friend. I mean, you are as advertised as that, you know, the people that have come for you this year that I've stood up for, the Darren Tills, the other, the managers, the the fighters, everybody that's come for your head and come for your neck, and I've defended you. They were right. What's the problem? Right. What's the problem? You are as advertised. What is the problem? You're mean. You're not. (laughs) And I tried yesterday. I needed you in the moment that I need you very badly. I called you. You didn't answer. Not only did you not answer, you didn't call me back. Yeah. I mean, just the fact, just the fact that you could be riding so high off those stupid Buffalo Bills that you just ignore me. And then you're on the phone. I mean, (laughs) it's just crazy. It's so disrespectful. And for you and I to have done what we've done this year, for you to treat me in this way is unfair and not right. So what did you want to talk about? Hmm? What do you want to talk about? I don't remember no more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember. Well, listen, okay, okay, I'm not, not going to let I'm not going to let your negative attitude ruin what is a great day. So many things to celebrate today. Not only is it our final show of 2020, uh, what a nine month stretch it has been with the final UFC event of the year. Of course, I'd be remiss if I don't uh, wish you and your family a look on the bright side day today. A happy look on the bright side day. That's today, DC. <laughs> Could you imagine? Today is look on the bright side day. Yes. Also, it's National Coquito Day, DC. Oh, what's a coquito? 
It's a traditional Puerto Rican holiday drink, which embodies the warm island spirit. Don't forget, today's also National Crossword Puzzle Day. You can sit next to your Yule log. And by the way, it's National Yule Day today. So you can sit by your Yule log, have a merry, merry day while eating french fried shrimp because today is also national french fried <laughs> shrimp today and of course dc i'd be remiss if i don't wish you and your family national short girl appreciation <laughs> for, the, for the short girl in your life i wish it was december 22nd because tomorrow december 22nd is national date night. I can't take no more. I can't take no more. Please stop. Stop. Please. Tomorrow's date nut bread day. You can have some date nut bread no tomorrow. More. I can't take no more. Please stop. Please stop. Okay. All right. So you take one. Take one, please stop. It was a very special day. Saturday, by the way, was a very special night. It was the final. Are you okay there? Get you a national short girl day. <laughs> I thought you would appreciate that, you know, being a shorter person yourself. Stop. Okay. I'm way taller than average height. The average human man is what, 5'7? I'm 5'11. So let's go. Oh, really? Up. Are you 5'11? Well, before, when I was younger, I was 5'11. I think I may have gotten shorter over the course of my life. But it happens with age. It used to be 5'11. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a perfect segue to Saturday night, DC, because. Two Saturdays ago, you okay there, bud? Everything all right? Okay. Uh, two Saturdays ago, you know, the theme at UFC 256 was a little bit depressing in the sense that we saw a lot of veterans lose and lose in dominant fashion, right? We saw JDS lose. We saw Tony Ferguson lose. Uh, we saw, who else did we see lose? Jacare Souza. He lost as well, got knocked out. And so it was kind of like, all right, this is the changing of the guard. Great. You know, you see some youngsters break through, but it was a little depressing to see, you know, veterans lose like that. On Saturday, final UFC event of the year, you were there in attendance cage side. Uh, it was actually the complete opposite. We saw the vets pick up big wins. Anthony Pettis, big win. Jose Aldo, big win. Wonderboy Thompson, big win. Now, Pettis and, and uh, Aldo, not exactly old-timers, still in their early They're so 30s. young, it's crazy. But they've been around for 10-plus years, and Pettis, uh, excuse me, Wonderboy is about to turn 38 in February. So let me ask you this off the top. Of the older guys that won and look good on Saturday, who impressed you the most? Wonderboy. I mean, right? Wonderboy. I mean, once again, he was able to do what he's done on so many different occasions, right? Just provided a, a puzzle that is so difficult to put together that guys look lost. I, I said this on the broadcast Saturday a few times. I said, guys end up taking pictures, right? They end up standing in front of Wonderboy, taking pictures. And that's exactly what happened to Jeff Neal. He wasn't able to keep up with Steven and Stephen would hit him, create angles. I mean, by the time Jeff Neal was trying to figure out where to punch, Wonderboy would already be gone. You know, I do think that the story of Jeff Neal kind of got forgotten a little bit in the sense that Wonderboy won that fight fair and square. It was very dominant. Most significant strikes landed in his career in a single fight, uh, the eighth most in a welterweight fight. Jeff Neal, three months ago, had congestive heart failure. The guy was in the hospital, had, had, had just battled COVID. Like the fact that he was even there, the fact that he went five rounds with Wonderboy, I know they don't count moral victories on your record on Tapology, but let's be honest, that was a moral victory for Jeff Neal. Wonderboy oh, was the better man. 
But the fact that he went five rounds with Wonderboy and never got finished, I was actually really impressed with Jeff Neal on Saturday. And also not not quitting on himself, right? Because for the entirety of the fight, he was continuing to try to press forward and find ways to attack Stephen Thompson, which is very difficult in itself. You know, Wonderboy Thompson is so difficult because not only is he a traditional martial artist, he's a guy that sets a lot of traps. He's also very big for the weight class, right? So when Jeff Neal's trying to approach, when Jeff Neal's trying to enter, Wonderboy's creating angles. And before you can even get your offense going, he's completely behind you. There were times where he was standing behind Jeff Neal when Jeff Neal's trying to throw punches. It was crazy. It's amazing because I feel like Wonderboy has been put in this spot to be a stepping stone for younger guys as of late, right? Vicente Luque a year plus ago, Jeff Neal, even Darren Till in Liverpool. The guy won't go away. He's still very good. I don't know about, uh, I think you said he has the best takedown defense in welterweight history, which well, is just a listen, crazy listen. statement. I mean, well, one of the all-time crazy statements. Right. So here's the thing. Here's the thing. Because of this. Wonderboy Thompson is a striker. Yes. You understand that in order to beat him, you got to ground him. This happened to him early in his career where he got grounded out by, uh, I can't remember who it was. but Matt Brown. Matt, Matt Brown. Brown. Grounded yeah. him out early in his career. So you kind of have a clear path to how to beat Steven Thompson. On the feet, he's so difficult. So everybody goes in with the idea that they're going to take him down. Nobody's been able to do it. Woodley was not able to hold him down for a sustained period of times. Um, High-level wrestlers that he's competed with, high-level grapplers, they can't take him down to implement that game plan. So when you do that and you look at the guy for his skill set, that is a massive statement that he has the third highest takedown defense among active welterweights. Yeah. Uh, no, no. I mean, it's it's a great stat, although, you know, GSP, Kamar Usman, those are some. I mean, come on. Usman with. texted me during the event. He's like, yo, I'm sitting at 100%. Yeah. But I'm like, Usman, when was the last time somebody actually tried to take you down? He goes, that's fair. Damien Maya 15 times. I'm like, Damien Maya is trying to drag you to the mat. You're a wrestler. You shouldn't get taken down by Damien Maya. But I get what they're saying. But I'm talking about in terms of fighting style and your abilities are what you're supposed to have as abilities. Wonderboy's defense is top notch. Well, it's a good pick. To that question, right? It's a good answer. My answer is actually Jose Aldo. I thought Aldo was done against Peter Jan. I said earlier last week, I still believe Cheeto Vera is going to be a champion. I really do believe he will fight for a belt and be a champion before it's all said and done. But Jose Aldo, man, this guy at, at, at 135, number one, it just speaks to just how good Peter Jan is, the fact that he did that to him. Number two, lest we forget, earlier this year, feels like 10 years ago, Aldo probably beat Marlon Marais, right? Yeah. And so he comes back now and he beats Vera, who looks so good against Sean O'Malley. I'm not ready to. And, and, and he calls out TJ Dillashaw. I love that fight. We could get your take on that fight in a second. But if I'm to answer that question that I just posed to you, Jose Aldo is, is my pick because I honestly thought he was done after the beating he took against Piotr Jan. Well, the thing is this, right? He got beat by Piotr Jan. But early in the fight, he was very competitive. So it's not like he didn't fight Piotr Jan even early. He got tired, and as he got tired, Jan kind of pulled away from him. So you saw spots in that fight where Aldo looked like himself, but on Saturday night, man, those body shots he landed in the first round, the way that he moves his head, dips and throws, fantastic. And then to go and get that takedown in the third round when he needed it, to put an exclamation point in the judges' scorecards, beautiful. 
Yeah, Vera says he was a little too aggressive in that third round, got a little too excited. He'll be back, but to me, just blown away by him coming back after that beating because that's the kind of beating that could change your career, yes? Absolutely. But let's go back to the main event a little bit, right? So Jeff Neal and Steven Thompson. Jeff Neal, you said three months ago he had... Congestive heart failure, sepsis. A month month after that, he didn't train. So he's legitimately just been training for eight weeks because for a month... He had to sit out and do nothing. So Jeff Neal going 25 minutes at the pace that they went at is something to hold up high and also deal with the adversity of the cut early off an accidental headbutt mm-hmm. that's difficult when you're in there with a sniper like Thompson who's just touching you on the cut over and over again. Yeah. Uh, Want to give a shout out to Thompson as well because it appears as though he, uh, he injured his knee, his right knee at some point in the fight. We don't know how bad it is, but after the fight, like right after he was on crutches. So clearly he was in a lot of pain. And the fact that he was able to move in that kind of pain with a compromised leg, very impressive. Now afterwards, DC, he called out Jorge Masvidal. He said, let's do NMF versus BMF. He didn't walk out with the NMF title. I was a little disappointed <laughs> in that. I mean, I gifted him. him I mean, yeah, it was like, it's kind of a big deal. It costs a lot of money in any event. I kind of want to take it back at this point because it seems like he's a little ungrateful. <laughs> uh, he beat Jorge Masvidal three years ago. How do you yep. feel about him calling out the guy that he beat? And are you interested in that fight? Well, now it's like call out Masvidal, right? You already got a victory over him. Guy's a massive star. So why yeah. wouldn't he want to fight him again? I mean, there are fights for Wonder Boy. I don't know if Masvidal is that fight because where does it get you? Plus it feels like Masvidal and Covington is the fight to make right now because of where they are in their careers. But you got a wonder boy who has now beaten Luke, who had won seven or eight in a row. Seven or eight in a row. I think I won seven. Jeff Neal had won seven in a row. Five in the UFC. Overall five in the UFC, but seven in a row overall going into the wonder boy fight. So these prospects that are on their way up fighting one of the boy Thompson. It's like a roadblock. So he needs to be in there with guys like, so you have Usman Covington, you have Masvidal. I mean, I don't, I really don't know because it's tricky, right? You, you burn guys trying to get him past Wonderboy, boy, but then you have one, boy who's fought for about twice. Now, what do you do with him? A Magni, uh, a Michael Kiesa, a Damian Mag- Maya type Casey. to work his way back up. Uh, I agree with you. Masvidal Covington has to be the have to do, right? Like he just beat two dudes that we identified as possible contenders. Luke has looked fantastic. Neil looked fantastic. Wonderboy shut him both out essentially. So how much work does he have to do in order to get a title fight against a Usman who he hasn't fought before? Woodley losing the belt was the best thing that could have happened for him because he's already lost to him twice or drew with him twice and then yeah. lost one. So right. This is a great new landscape for Wonderboy Thompson. So, okay, speaking of new landscapes, we talked about Aldo a little bit. We talked about um, Wonderboy. I think, DC, in my heart of hearts, and obviously I'm not just talking, you know, um, via my heart with conversations in mind as well. I, I think that was the last time we, we ever see Anthony Pettis, at least for now, in the UFC octagon. Final fight on his contract. Mm-hmm. New man, changed, feels to be in a great place, seems to be in a great spot. Uh, a lot of people focusing on Bellator. I wouldn't rule out PFL, but it seems to me, based on what he was saying, and also if you listen closely, Duke Rufus, after the fight, was talking about 12 years, 12 years, almost like they were closing a chapter. Um, it's and, and what a way to go out, right? A big win over an up-and-comer. Seems to me like Anthony Pettis might be going in a different direction. What do you think? You know, I had heard, I had heard that it was the last fight. Um, I don't think, you know, you don't make much of it 
in when the guy's getting ready to compete. With that being said, I would not be surprised if he ends up with his brother. But I do believe that Anthony Pettis is still such a high-level fighter, he can go wherever he wants. Yeah. I mean, a uh, huge addition to the PFL roster because they need a name like him. He's on a winning streak, right? So he's not one of these guys that's a cast-off, if you will. He's on a winning streak, has won his last two. Remember, he beat Don Cerrone in a very close fight back in May. Would be a huge addition to uh, the Bellator roster. The best part about it, to me, is he says he's going back to 55. I think mm-hmm. 55 is better for Anthony Pettis. Agree or disagree? Yeah, absolutely. That's his weight class. But the way he fought Morono last weekend was good, and he looked good, right? Like, physically... He looked better than he has in the past at 170 pounds. So 55 is his weight class, but 70, man, physically, he had a six-pack. He looked good. He didn't look a little chubby. At times, you, if, if a 170-pound man can look chubby, you know, Pettis look a little chubby at times, and, and God, Damn, I'm calling you. someone look chubby. At you. Like, look he's calling somebody chubby, but I'm saying, like, when you look at AP and you see him in the best shape of his life, Saturday looked like he was close to that, even at 170. Rob Font. All right, had let a- me just say this real quick. Can I say something? Sure. I'm about to take my inhaler because I'm having a difficult time breathing right now. I don't know if you can even tell. Like, I'm having a very... I, just thought, I, thought, I, just, I just thought you were emotional because it was the final show <laughs> of the year. No, I'm having take so it. much trouble breathing. My inhaler is on his way. My, my inhaler is on his way right now. Oh, okay. So, I mean, do you want to keep going? No, no, we'll keep going. Let's do this. I'm going to grind through. The king of the grind will push through this. But I just want to tell you because... Boy, I got so much more to say, but as, every time I get going, I'm like, <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Um, well, I, I, I want to mention Rob Font with the big win over Marlon oh. Marais. And, and Marlon Marais, you know, the decision to leave Mark Henry and Ricardo Almeida has not panned out for him. Massive win for him. Michelle Wait, Pajera. but I think it was more than that, though, Ariel. I think he just, I, you know, one of the, the themes of the meetings we had with him, I know we got we're going, but like we asked him about coming back too fast. And he said, I want to compete. I think it might have been too fast for Marlon Marais because for him to get hurt, and I know Rob Pond hit hard, but for him to get hurt like that with a jab shows that the chin wasn't completely refreshed from the knockout from Sanding. I do want to ask you about Deron Wynn, your mm-hmm. guy. Mini little, hey, he got it done, right? He got it done. But, you know, Bisping's, you know, kind of like needling you. He about was these. mad about that, too. He was mad about that. Deron was mad. Oh, Deron, why? Why? He's like, tell Michael Bisping, I'll take him down all those times. He'll be as tired as this guy was. And I'm like, hey, so then I call him. I go, was it the treadmill comment? <laughs> he goes, it was the treadmill comment. I was like, it was hilarious. He's like, he's like, I love Bisping. He said, but man, it's hard to do and it's hard to, to defend. So um, he did a good job, man. You know, now he's two and two through his first four UFC contract. And, you know, his first contract's done. And, and, uh, now it's time for him to start looking at what's next, you know, so it's good. Wow. So that really was a big fight for him. I mean, he really was fighting potentially for his UFC career. It was a I'm massive just, fight. Just curious, how difficult is it for you, honestly? It was hard. Probably I, harder I than the Habib fight, right? It's it's hard. It's very difficult because with Habib, it's a finished product, right? I have mm-hmm. 100% confidence that he's going to get it done regardless of who's in there. With Deron, I do have confidence in him. But there's also that worry, the little brother worry, and also the fact that he's fighting for his job and all these other things, you know. So it was a hard spot. And, and you know, honestly, my my the producer said, you, you know, gave me the option. You know, I was going to offer you this one, this one off because I know it's a big spot for you. But I figured it was wow. better to be just to sit out the fight. Sit out the fight, yeah. Wow, but and you took I'd it. Call it. Yep, I'd rather well, do the job. 
Good on you. Good well, on all, them for actually offering that to me. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. The place yeah. that I'm in, in with, with Duran, but he took the guy down a whole bunch of times, man. And, and to do that is so exhausting, especially when you can't hold the guy down. Like Duran was having trouble holding him down. So all in all, a great way to end the year. Um, hey, guy, hey, listen, and listen, I saw something yesterday on, on um, Duran uh, Twitter. Somebody yeah. told Duran, UFC's probably going to cut you. You fought so awful. For the record, no, they did not cut him, Twitter hater. Duran Wynn got a new contract. And oh. it was so good for Duran, you know. Wow, that's you're breaking news. That was for him. That was like, breaking some news here. That's how big a spot that was for Duran that he got extended, which is great. Mini DC. Ending the year on a high note. I know he loves it. Yeah, I mean, that's the Christmas present. That's a Christmas (laughs) gift right after Deron win. Damn, all he does is win. Deron, all he does is win. That's a perfect nickname. How does he not not using that? He owes that one to you. You're welcome. Now, uh, DC, I did want to spend some time. Yes. Okay, I, I got to refrain from saying that. But he doesn't always just. I know he doesn't. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know, he... <laughs> Listen, you just got to go with it. You just, just got to pretend go like it. you always win. Um, <laughs> so like I said before, I was so rudely interrupted for the fourth time. Um, I, I did want to spend some time. I mean, I'm just, listen, I'm trying to get a moment out here. I'm trying to have a moment with you and you keep interrupting. Are you okay? Can you breathe? Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Yes. Um, it's yes. been a crazy year, DC. March 5th. Let's go back to March 5th. You and I in Las Vegas, right? Whoa. At the radio studio over there. ESPN Radio 1100. The inaugural episode of DC and Hawani, right? Prior to UFC, what was it? 248. Izzy mm-hmm. versus Romero. And uh, Zhang Weili versus Yuanian and Jacek. And, and, and there we are. We've convinced the powers that be to give us this begged radio them. show. We begged them. We Justin begged Craig, them. shout out. Glenn Justin Jacobs, Craig, shout man. out. And there we are sitting. I'm wearing gloves. You're laughing at me. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. I forgot, I forgot about that. I, I went back and listened to it. Uh, it's crazy to listen because I'm talking about how this is going to be a new thing on ESPN radio before every UFC pay-per-view and stuff like that. And did you sound uh, was, excited? I was very excited. I was very <laughs> happy. I was very excited. And little did we know, 18 days later, there we are doing a show in our homes. Wait, we, that was we, only 18 days? So March 5th was the radio show, right? Yeah. March 7th was UFC 248. March 9th, was my last show in Bristol. March 16th, no one knew what the heck was going on. I did an IG live with Colby Covington because it was coming off the Gilbert Burns fight and all that stuff. March 23rd and a couple of days prior, we convinced the powers that be, hey, let us <laughs> let us do this little placeholder. Let's do DC and Hawani, give people something to think about, give them an escape, give them something to laugh about. And little did we know, the placeholder became a thing. Pretty amazing, right? It's insane. I didn't realize it happened that fast. I know that we were asking for more time on radio, right? That's all we wanted was to have it happen as often as we could, a chance to talk about fights and talk to the fans and try to entertain. And 
But man, I didn't realize it was only two weeks from that show. But I remember walking into that that studio, and it was me and you and Glenn went. Remember, Glenn, he actually yeah. came to get us started, and it was late at night, and the phone lines never stopped ringing during the whole time. It was it was fantastic. We've had, we've had a lot of support from day one from the fans, and honestly, it has t- taken some nudging to get ESPN to get on board. But now. Not only are we doing the show, I've got a contract, and, and this it's a real thing now. We play on TV every week, so that's crazy. Like, to think from March to now, we're on TV every single week, and we do a show every week from nothing. Like, when you talk about willing something into existence, that's exactly what we did. We're lucky, man. And, and what about those early shows? Man, those were fun. And, you know, honestly, even though you gave me some, some crap at the beginning of this show, I need to, I need to thank you. As you inhale your nose, I need to thank you. Go ahead, do it. You don't no, have to no. hide it. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. You're done. Yeah, I'm good. That was it. All right. No, I, I want to thank you, and I think I speak for a lot of people. Like you helped me a lot, right? I mean, I I really looked forward to those Mondays and the laughs that we had talking about crazy stuff. Remember, you know, your idea about Fight Island and the plane <laughs> and leaving Iwan yeah. Ku- Kutilaba. How mad Iwan got and how mad Sarge got. Oh, they were so mad at me. I was like, man, I'm not. Yeah, I remember that one. That was good. We had some good clips early when everyone was just look, love the I love the show and everything about the show. But boy, when we were just kind of, I mean, just going off and doing nothing like it was it was crazy. Like who in the world gave let these two dudes just get on a computer every week for an hour and a half to just talk about random stuff. It was great. We had Dahlia. We had <laughs> we had Todd Duffy versus John Vellante. <laughs> But the best one ever, the best one, which I'll watch periodically just to laugh, is Helvani. (laughs) (laughs) You getting duped by the fake tweet coming on and asking about the Vladimir Putin. You thought Vladimir Putin gave Khabib Nurmagomedov permission (laughs) to leave Russia and then Dana responds to it and then Helvani responds and you're like oh you're a big boy now because I because oh, you <laughs> that was just crazy man that was cra- I don't know if I've ever laughed so much knowing no. and I didn't want to la- I, I didn't want to correct you I wanted to see how far it could go no. how in the world did you not tell me like I was like yo and then you tweet Dana I was like oh you're so tough now right remember I was like oh you're so tough now and then the whole time it was somebody named Ariel Helvani that's so great. And in the way you said it, DC, it's not me. It's a guy named Ariel Helvani. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, those are great memories. I need some of those clips. We need to recycle some of those clips at the end of the year, maybe. You know what we should do? Yeah. They should get some of like our best clips of the year and mm-hmm. just give it to us so we can put it on our social media because people would go insane for like a one minute clip of us just losing our minds on well, stuff like Dahlia and Helvani. Well, on the uh, the ESPN2 version of our show, which airs Tuesday nights at midnight Eastern, 9 p.m. Pacific, there will be a bit of a compilation of those moments. So how about you, really? producer DC? Yep, yep, it's true. <laughs> they told me. They when, told me. When, 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 please tell me I want to watch Tomorrow night. Oh, it's tomorrow. Because, you know, the viewers of the, the web version uh, sometimes forget that we have a TV version of well as well of the show. I mean, we're, we're kind of multifaceted, right? we got the podcast, we got the web version, we got the TV. Are we still a radio show or no? Uh, we not still really. We have a radio show when we go back. Like, uh, has that been uh, defined or no? I think they're, they're keeping it 
you know, warm for us. But for now, we've kind of moved on to this medium. Okay, 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 okay. We'll, we'll live here. This is a great place to be. I'm telling you, I'm happy. Ariel, I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm happy you're happy, DC. Um, so we had those two months where, I mean, amazingly, like there was stuff to talk about, but there wasn't. And somehow we were doing, you know, shows that were an hour, an hour and a half long, talking about all this great stuff. Numbers. WrestleMania. It was, it was a fun time. But then we get to 249, Jacksonville, essentially the first American sports league back, right? You know, I was watching a top rank show yesterday. They didn't give credit to the UFC. They should have. Um, really the yeah ufc credit where it's due they were the first one back you know you were there and i'm just curious like because now i mean you've you've done the jacksonville shows you've done the apex shows you've done obviously the the fight island shows in abu dhabi when you think back to those jacksonville shows how different was it from now way different Ariel's way different do you remember the guy you remember the guy at the at, at that um arena the was it the vice oh. arena yeah, yeah. the vice arena i'm like yo <laughs> Can I get a hot dog? <laughs> you know, trying to get a hot dog, and I walk to the concession stand. I mean, the usher, one usher sitting in the dark. It was so dark, nobody was there. Big arena, like the guys were walking out in the dark. So now it looks like still a pretty much a walkout, right? It's not as dark. It's not as like it's not as like a band as abandoned looking as it did in that arena. Man, that arena was empty. So that's why guys could hear us so well because it was such a big arena that everything was carrying mm. as you spoke. Now in the apex is not as big. They can still hear you obviously, but it's not as much space. But I remember man, like going into the hotel and, and having to take the first time we started getting all that COVID testing, right? The uncertainty of whether or not you had come in contact with the virus or and, and how the UFC was going to manage you inside the bubble, right? All the precautions that were in place. It was, it was crazy going into that arena for an event with no fans because it was so unheard of. And then the guys delivered, right? And Ganu puts Jarzinho out in no time. Quadruple C defends his title by finishing Dominic Cruz. Who could have Wait ever thought? You can't call him quadruple C. He's not a quadruple C yet. What are you talking well, about? He can give himself that name. He, he Listen, if Henry Cejudo says he's going to get another C to his name, I'm never going to doubt him because he never loses. Mm-hmm. He always does whatever he says he's going to do. And then the main event, Justin Gaethje pitches a complete shutout of Tony Ferguson. When Tony Ferguson on a 12-fight win streak, and we all sat there, me, Anik, and Rogan going, wasn't that bad. It's... It's crazy. It just wasn't that bad. And then do you remember he, the, the guys were walking out? There was like one fan. Mm-hmm. Like there was that random guy. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> was like, who's that? Yeah. Like, who's that dude? And how did that dude get in here? Right. It was, it was, it was, man, crazy, crazy stuff. You know, what's you know, what's also crazy. And when I think back to those early shows, that one, of course, uh, the Anthony Smith, Glover Teixeira show, oh. um, you know, like those early ones, right. You know, uh, Gilbert Burns versus Tyron Woodley. It's amazing to me how many people were starving for sports, live sports, you know, to do daily fantasy on, to bet on, to just forget about things and, and watch who aren't UFC fans. I mean, like family members of mine who never spoke to me about anything UFC related, who never talked to me about even Conor McGregor, right? Or Habib or John Jones, who are now massive fans of UFC as a result of those early shows when there was nothing going on. Listen, it was a gamble. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, people were critical, no doubt about it. And there were questions and I questioned it. I'll be honest, not as critical as some people want to make it out to be, but hey, the gamble paid off. Can I say something? 
Yeah. When when Dana White was almost bullish with the idea that he was going to bring sports back, right? It was like, but how? When there are no sports and there does not seem to be an avenue to bring sports back. And he said every day he worked and he worked and he worked. Him and the staff at the UFC, people didn't believe it. They didn't think it was possible, but they did. And they did it in a way that showed everyone that if you're willing to not only spend the money to get everybody tested and everything, but to create these safe spaces, these safe environments, you can have great sports. And as time has gone on, Ariel, it's become more appealing to the eyes because now, sure, it's not an arena with 20,000 people in there going crazy when people hit the curtain. But when you watch it on television, it's very appealing to watch in terms of it doesn't seem that different anymore. Jacksonville seemed different. It was an octagon with a spotlight, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, it was an octagon with a spotlight. It doesn't seem different anymore. Well, it's 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 interesting because some sports, I think, have adapted well. MMA at the top of the list. Other sports, like pro wrestling, it's tough with no fans, right? Pro wrestling stuff. Football has done a good job, I think. Football is fine. Baseball was just weird for some reason. I don't know. Basketball if the, the- did really good. The bubble, yeah. Now it's it still looks a little weird, but it's just interesting to see everyone adapt. And so let me ask you because I was just watching a, a promo about Connor's fight, right? And there was a shot of him after the uh, Cerrone fight, walking out. And he's like being mobbed by fans, and it's so weird. It's so weird. I feel like I think about this all the time now when I watch old sports clips or even movies. And even on Saturday, I was watching the Canelo fight at the Alamo Dome, there were 15,000 people in what is like a 70,000 seat arena. And it's just like, wow, this is so weird for you. Cause I haven't been to one of these yet. You have a bunch. Is it almost weird to, to think back? Like, has this become so normal to you that it's almost weird to think back to what it was like being in an arena with 20,000 people. It's amazing how nine months can make something feel so foreign, at least from the TV perspective. What is it like for you? Can you even remember what that was like? I remember, you know, how loud it would get, right? When we had those cans on our ear to block out all the extra noise. And I felt like we almost experienced a little bit of it in the Moreno versus Figueredo fight. Like it felt loud. And I was like, wow, I remember how it felt to have fans in here. But you're right. You know, when when we have fans come back, it's going to be a bit different. It's going to be a bit I bet you, I bet we'll all have a, a really weird, different type of emotions because anytime you're in big spaces now, you're nervous. You know what I'm saying? Like, so we're going to have to deal with a lot of emotion in regards to that, but we want the fans back. For as normal as this has become, for as easy as the job has become, dude, our job now is so much easier. I mean, Ariel, I'll go to the UFC sometimes. I don't stand up one time. Right. If I'm not doing post-fight interviews, I never get up. Yeah. I literally sit there the whole time. I go and I sit. No stand-ups to start the show. No stand-ups to start the pay-per-views. There's just, you just go and you sit and watch and call fights. So it's made the job easier. We miss the fans, but you're right. It has become a bit of the norm to just be in these smaller venues uh, watching fights. Yeah, I miss the fans. I miss the old events. Uh, there are so many big moments this year um despite all of that and one of the biggest of course was your retirement fight against stipe and Mm -hmm. can i just say i I still have some lingering questions 
that I want to ask you about. Yeah, I still have some time. All this time, I still have some lingering questions. Number one, how is your eye? We haven't really talked about the eye. Honestly, man, it's like it it's good, but it's not as it's not what it's not like it was. It's kind of just kind of a little bit like down, but it's all good. Does it hurt? Doesn't hurt, but you know, for a guy that makes his living on TV, you know, that could be a bit of a, a an issue at times. So I got to try to figure a way to, I don't know. I, don't, I really don't know what I can do in order to change it, but. Have you seen a doctor? I've seen a doctor a couple times. Yeah. They told me what it was initially. And then, um, no. Oh, here's oh. your inhaler. Here's you pretending yes, like, wait, you got a second inhaler? Yeah, I got a second one. You yeah. want to, but yeah, I've seen them a couple times. You know, they told me what it was originally and. I just don't know what I'm going to have to do cosmetically in order to make it exactly what I need it to be. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. <laughs> oh, now <laughs> I do. I'm great. back. Oh, this is great. He's back, baby. I'm He's back, back, baby. <laughs> I'm back. Um, all right. Well, I, I'm, it, like it just opens up the chest. Yeah, no, I hear you. I'm sorry to hear that. I, I did want to ask, but at least, I mean, you could see out of it, right? Like there's no vision issues. I can, I mean, I can see, I can see, but again, like the bright light after too long can get uh-huh. a bit much, but you know, it, it's really more cosmetic if I'm being honest, just because I, I don't know what happened. I really, I really don't know what happened because he just kind of stuck it in, in, you know, again, not purposely, but it was a rough one. Why didn't you wrestle more in that fight? You said, uh, bring your wrestling shoes. I look back, only two yeah. takedown attempts. He had more takedown attempts than you did. I think he had five. I he, just took one takedown attempt, I believe. It said that you, I think I looked at the stats. It said, I'll, I'll check again. I think it said that you were one for two. I took him down the first time. And then honestly, you know, when we started fighting in the second round, um, I felt like I was having a good second round and you got to think, you know, through the first two fights, I had outstruck him the vast majority of the fights, you know? So, um, you know, what was weird to me was that they talked about how the small octagon would benefit me. And ultimately it was what really changed the fight for me because I thought I fought a great second round and I thought I was winning the second round and, uh, with like 10 seconds left, I just hit him with a combination and I got stuck along the side of the fence, which was very close. And I tried to circle off to the wrong side. And he literally just started swinging his right hand as hard as he could. You know, not technically. He just started throwing right hands. And he ended up hitting me and dropping me, which hurt me very bad. Third round, I had to recover, right? So instead of winning the first round like I did on the judge scorecards, and as I was winning in the first round, I lost the second Essentially, I had to give up the third round, but not only did I give up the third round, it showed him a path, right? That if he can get close and, and clench, he was able to hold me. And because I allowed him to do that to kind of shake the cobwebs, he went back to that in the fifth round whenever uh, I thought uh, the fight was on the table. What was the scorecards? What was the scores of this fight? 49-46? What was the scores of our fight? 48-46? So, Derek Cleary had it 49-46. to 46. 
Sal Diamato had it 49-46, and uh, Jinshiro Kamijo had it 47-48, to 48-47 for him. Yeah, right. So it's like, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I thought I won a couple rounds. I guess I didn't, but, you know. Well, yeah, um, according to, I mean, Kamijo had it 48-47. It, uh, it showed him a path, right? That if he can get to the clinch, he can hold me there. And I think he spent a lot of time there in the third round and in the fifth round for sure. Have you rewatched that? I've watched some of it. You know, I I, I don't go back and watch fights that quickly. You know, Does it bother but, you still? Um, of course. I'm a competitor, you know, and I didn't get to fight my my best fight. You know, I, I think that I didn't fight my best fight. I fought a decent fight, but I didn't fight my best fight because – Ariel, I, I got to be honest, man. Like, you know, you think about, I, I spoke to Bob Cook about this just the other day. Hmm. The back, When I had that back surgery in 2018 after Derek Lewis, it was over. It was over. Like, I mean, it was absolute. it was over. You know, and I fought twice since, and, and you know, I I possibly should not have. You know, I think you can find those those things in hindsight. But when I had that back surgery, it's so severely limited what I could do that it was pretty much over. I just wasn't the same guy. And um, I trained hard last fight and Stipe beat me, but I just wasn't the same guy no more after the back surgery. I should, I should have probably stopped. Really? um, Yeah. I should have probably stopped. I wasn't the same guy. I couldn't train as I trained before. And that's about as honest as I can be uh, with everyone. Do you regret sticking around? Um, I think, uh, I think, I you know, I, I think you can't live with regret. You know, living with regret is is tough. Um, it sucks, you know, because at the end of 2018, I was on top of the world. You know, I was number one pound pound fighter in the world. I had beat Stipe. I had defended my, I had defended our one back light heavyweight championship. I had beat Derek Lewis. Anytime you're the first at anything in the UFC, it's massive. And at the end of 2018, I was riding that wave, but then. My back was just so bad. It, I mean, it was bad for a long time, right? There were a lot of times where middle of training camp, I would have to take days off because my back was so beat up and just legitimately break everything down to the core, uh, all the, the the wear and tear in order to get back on my feet. I remember times in the middle of my championship run or before where I was crawling up the stairs at my house because my back was so jacked up, but wow. I was always able to manage it. But then once I had that surgery, uh, yeah, it was it was pretty it was done, you know. And honestly, man, I, I all respect to Stipe, but time got me, and I don't think for a second if I didn't deal with the the injuries and and I don't I still I still believe I'm a better fighter even though he won those last couple fights because time got me, you know, time got me the surgery and time got me, um, and Stipe Miocic was was in the right time he was in the right spot, you know, and he deserved it, you know. And I'm not gonna sit here and take anything away from but. If it was anyone, um, he deserved it to be the guy that got to get those last couple of victories over me. Well, speaking of Stipe, um, a quick aside, they want him to return in March against Francis Ngannou. I know they had some talks last week, didn't finalize a deal. Hearing now that they're targeting two pay-per-views in March, one of them would be headlined by uh, Stipe versus Francis, the other headlined by Izzy versus Jan Bohovic. Uh, Brett Okamoto reporting earlier today that Megan Anderson versus Amanda Nunes booked for that March 6 card. So we've got a lot of big fights coming up with a lot of big names. Um, 2021 is going to start in a big way, but let's continue to uh, wrap up 2020. 
the most fun I had reporting on a story, do you see the, the story that I think captured the imagination of everyone? And I think part of it was because nothing else was going on. And also because it was so crazy was Masvidal taking that fight on yeah. seven days notice against Usman, saving the day, the first fight Island show, saving the day. I mean, here's game bread. I remember that video his manager posted of him like walking out of the plane. I mean, he, was just, yeah. <laughs> he, he just looked like such a gangster saving the day. And uh, unfortunately for him, it didn't turn out well, although I would say that his stock went up just because he saved the day. And, you know, it's crazy because like you think of Masvidal, you think of Nate Diaz, you think of even Conor McGregor, John Jones, all these guys fought either once or zero times in 2020, right? Diaz didn't fight at all. And, and I think like one of the themes of the year has been a lot of new guys took the opportunity to fight multiple times, right? And, 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 and fight consistently like a Kevin Holland that we talked about last year. And for whatever reason, the older guys and some of the more established names didn't fight as many times. You know what I mean? Kind of weird. Like Stipe only fought once. Um, multiple champions only fought once or didn't fight at all. Connor fought once. Just kind of a weird year in that regard where we saw a lot of new people step up and, uh, you know, the, the bigger names not fight as consistently. Yeah. And, you know, I think that also speaks to the UFC and the machine that it is, right? Like when you can have guys like those guys that we know, all the names we're so familiar with, not fight in the UFC may have had one of his best years in a long time, you know? So um, it speaks to what the UFC is as an organization in terms of how they can churn out opportunities for more guys to build their names, you know, but you do miss those established stars. You know, you miss the guys, you miss the, 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 the Connors and the Jones and the, you miss the Diaz. You miss those guys competing because those are the names. Could you imagine, though, during this pandemic, if those guys fought? I mean, Masvidal and Usman sold 1.3 million pay-per-views, right? Imagine a guy like Connor fighting in the midst of the pandemic. He might have sold 2 million pay-per-views. Oh, imagine, I think more. imagine Jones fighting or imagine Diaz fighting. Like, the pay-per-views would have been massive because people were tuning in to watch guys that weren't necessarily household names in droves. So imagine what they would have done for established stars. Because I know what we did on pay-per-view, right? Because of all the times that we spent in main events, me, Stipe and I. So imagine what it would have done for some more of these established stars to be out there fighting during the pandemic. What was your favorite moment or story of the year? Um, my favorite moment of the year... Mm, you know, honestly, man, I'm always going to seem like a homer in this situation, but Fight Island with Habib, that was, that was the one for me. You know, him doing what he did in the fight with Justin, um, retiring in the way that he did, honoring his father's name, um, being able to uh, share that his mother had. Because, bro, for me, honestly, Ariel, Hearing that his mom goes, this was your guys' thing, and I don't want you guys to – I don't want you to do it without him, that feels sweet to me, right? Like, you don't get that much in this world of day. Like, you don't get a mom going, this was you and your father's dream, and I wanted to stay you and your father's. I don't want all these memories to become you after he was not on this earth anymore. So that meant a lot to me. Just even from the immediate finish where he was pointing to the corner going, you guys calm down, mm -hmm. right, because he was going to take his moment to kind of sit there and, and shed the tears and unload all that weight that he had been carrying after his father's passing. So that was my moment, man. And to be there and, and have to try to not cry being all choked up as he was talking. And that yeah, was, it was, that, that's the one for me. That's the one that, that means the most for me.
is it true that Dane is going to have you at his meeting with him in January to try to mediate this whole thing? No, I'm not. I'm not going there. I'm going to go. You could be like the Michael Jordan. You could be like the guy who mediates the whole thing. But again, like as I've told you, you know, that's not. That's not. I have nothing. I have. I have no place in this because, like I said, I'm so content with whatever decision my friend makes that I'm good. What a moment that was. That's going to be like the Jordan moment from 1986, yeah. right? We will remember that moment. We will talk about that. That will be one of the indelible images of the sport until the end of time. Him, I mean, the baddest guy on the planet, right? Like the number one pound for pound fighter yeah. in many people's eyes, crying like a little child. It was heartbreaking. I don't care what you think of, of Khabib. I don't care if you're a Connor fan to the death. I don't care if you hate Khabib for whatever reason, because he beat your guy, Justin Gaethje. In that moment, it was impossible not to feel for him and want to love as the a guy, human, right? right? Yeah, you want to, it felt like everybody in the world should want to hug him, right? right? Because everybody's lost someone so dear to him, but you know, not everybody has relationships like Habib has with his dad. Can I tell I you a moment? Know. Yeah, can I tell you a moment that has stuck with me? And I don't know why it has stuck with me, but I always, when I think of this year, I always think of this moment like right off the top. What Darren Till walking out to no music for some reason impacted me. <laughs> well, because, right? Because because before it was so crazy when he would come out to Sweet Caroline. Right. Right. So it was like such a, a flip of the coin, right? One side is the crowd in Liverpool, the crowd in Dallas. I mean, I was there when he fought Tyron for the belt in Dallas. It was crazy. And for him walking out with no music all of a sudden, it really does speak to what the year really, really was. In a sense that the year was just turned on its head. But I love that it was Darren Till who did it, because, again, going back to those couple months when nothing was going on, Darren Till gave a lot of people entertainment. At the end of the day, what is this all about? Right. The reason I love this job and the reason I love sports so much is because it's an escape. You know, you, you, you mentioned the Buffalo Bills and it sucks that Bills fans can't go to games. But I would argue this is the most special year ever for Bills fans because it is giving us something to be excited about, something to think about, and not all the, the doom and gloom going on around the world. And so for Till, the guy who was so entertaining, you remember like on, on Instagram, I mean, the guy was on fire, to have the presence of mind to say, hey, fans, without you, I'm not walking out to this song. It made me emotional, honestly. It really did feel like a very sweet moment. And I love that it was Darren Till, the guy who's like the people's champ in many respects, yeah. for the English fans. He was the one who thought of that. That was awesome, in my opinion. I never thought of it that way. You know, like the song is for you and I together. I never thought that that I never thought of it like that. But when you listen to the reactions he gets when he walks out to that song, it makes absolute sense. And there until in a year where he only fought once, right? And lost yeah. one fight that he fought, his stock and his profile has raised because of his social media presence and him doing what he did in the fight that he got to compete against Robert Whitaker. And can I also just say, before we transition, I don't know, and maybe I'm a victim of the moment, prisoner of the moment, right? Revisionist history, all that stuff that we hate. I don't know if I've ever been this excited about the future of the sport. And in particular, if we're going to focus on the UFC here for a second, because let's be honest, there was a big gap between the UFC and everyone else because they came yeah. back so soon. They put on so many events. Well, and even, so knock on the and others. it got bigger, right? And the yeah. gap actually got bigger this year because, you know, whereas, you know, we were starting to, you know, and Scott and those guys are doing great over at Bellator. They're doing a fantastic job. Mike Hogan, Scott Coker, uh, Rich Chu, the rest of the guys, they're doing yep. a fantastic job. But, the pandemic and them having to shut everything down and sit back and watch the UFC just blast through the barriers and start to show why, once again, 
they're the leader in mixed martial arts, right? Because once the UFC did it, every other combat organization got an idea of how to do it. Because who was going to go out on their own and do it first? No one but Dana White in the UFC. And so the gap even got, it, it just got bigger because in those months where PFL, where Bellator, where 1FC, and every other organization had to just sit back, the UFC was the only show in town and once again showed why it's the uh, the standard bearer for uh, combat sports. But if I could just finish my thought for a second, you know, sometimes the UFC, like, well, oftentimes, historically, they have their schedule laid out, right? And they know that on December 19th, they're going to South Korea, and they know that on November 11th, they're going to Brazil. And a lot of times, those cards are built for the market, right? Like, you'll have a Brazil card with a lot of Brazilians, up-and-comers, this and that. This time, it was all about filling out the holes. And the majority of the events were in Las Vegas. So it allowed for guys like Kevin Holland. It allowed for someone like Figueredo to fight twice in the span of three weeks. I think that we saw a lot of young guys take advantage of the moment and, and be more active as opposed to like the slots being filled out four or five months in advance. The slots were being filled out two, three weeks in advance at this point. And I think that that's why we have seen a lot of new fresh faces to be excited yeah. about heading into 2021. Does that make sense? Am I explaining this the right way? Because like if you had last year, the end of last year, if we, like the last show was in South Korea. Remember the main event was uh, Korean zombie versus Frankie Edgar. I cannot tell you sitting here right now a single other fight on that card. Now, of course, it was a year ago and there have been so many. Because yeah. a lot of it was like lesser known guys who were like, you know, important to the market. But now you had cards just being built with who are the best guys available as opposed to the best guys for the market, which ultimately means, I think, newer stars being built quicker. Well, you got to think about certain fighters profile would not be what they were today if not for the circumstances. Hey, Kevin Holland has taken complete advantage of the opportunities, right? This young man now is legitimate. And this young man is now getting mentioned in the same breath as Israel Adesanya. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if he's in the top 15 yet. But when you win five fights in a row in seven months, people start to look at you in that category. Mackenzie Dern has raised her profile so much in a year by fighting three times and winning those tough fights that she had to win. Was that? Hamzat earlier. Hamzat Chimaev earlier in the year doing what he did. Two fights on Fight Island coming back and knocking out Gerald Mearshart. Um, Joaquin Buckley. Think mm. about this. Mm. If Joaquin Buckley didn't have these opportunities on Fight Island and then the fight again back in Vegas, all we would have remembered, if the landscape of what it was, was Kevin Holland beating him at the beginning of the year, right? He wouldn't have had those chances to come back and completely flip the script in two fights. And now could be staring on the barrel of a, a bad blood fight against James Cross. Like you wouldn't have those chances. So it was a big year for kid, for young guys and guys and girls to really take advantage of opportunities presented to them. And now they're legitimate superstars. I mean, Hamza Chimaev is a star. I mean, the guy has over a million followers on Instagram. He's fought three times in the UFC um, because all eyes were on him. And when they were, he delivered. So historically, every year I've been doing it for the last uh, eight or so years, I give out the very prestigious Helwani Nose Awards. They used to be the MMA Hour Awards, moved over to ESPN. We renamed them the Helwani Nose Awards. <laughs> in fact, you have been the recipient of a few of these awards. Lest we forget back in 2018, you won the Fighter of the Year Award. What a great honor that was in your life. Did you ever <laughs> get the best. trophy, by the way? Do you have it in your trophy case? Yeah, it's in my trophy case, okay. right next to my SP. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I mean, Big boy, big boy got an SP. 
well-deserved. Um, January 6th, I'll be giving out my awards. I'll even have a special guest host uh, with me to do so. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's the most extensive award show in the business. Um, no, I would not. Come on. I would never <laughs> reveal that here. And I would never allow someone like Ben Askren to steal the spotlight on such a prestigious day. But it's like 20 categories. I mean, it's just poster of the year, you know, moment of the year, fight, fighter, etc. But this is kind of like your last opportunity to speak to the people, at least on this program. And so I wanted to give you the opportunity to uh, to hand out some hardware, if you'd like. I mean, you don't have to. I would like to. I would like to. Right. right. So, huh? You want to go ahead? I, I could tee you up or? No, no, you don't need to tee me up. Okay. I'm going to rip here for a second. Do you mind? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. All right, guys. So here we go. The most prestigious awards. Oh, get out all- here. <laughs> hey, the Daniel Cormier Awards for 2020. I'm going to go here first. Let me start here first because you got to build. First, I'm going to give you the event of the year, UFC 249. We spoke about it earlier in the show. And as the first fight to come back, nothing will ever look like what we saw down in Jacksonville at the Star Arena, the home of the five-time ABA basketball champion. Uh, I can't remember the name of the team, but <laughs> they, had, they won a few titles down there. That event was fantastic. Female fight of the year, listen. I, no, fight of the year first. I'll go okay. fight of the year first. Right. Fight of the year, I'm going to go Yoani Jacek and Zhang Weili. Guys, it's very easy to do what Ariel just did, the recency bias, right? Well, remember, wow. Brandon Moreno versus Davidson Figueredo was fantastic. And I started to think like that myself. Maybe that would be my fight of the year. But the reality is what those two women did in that octagon back in March was, was like nothing we'd ever seen. And... Part of the reason Romero and Adesanya looked so bad was because of what we saw right before with Wei Lee versus Joanna and Jacek. It was a fantastic fight. I mean, you saw the highest level of mixed martial arts. You saw Joanna take off. You saw Wei Lee catch up. You see Wei Lee fade. You saw Joanna take the lead. You see Wei Lee come back in the fifth round where the fight was on the table and really cement herself as the champion of that weight class by beating one of the best champions, um, the best champion that weight class had ever seen. And what about and that hematoma? I mean, that was an all-time hematoma. And hematoma was ridiculous. Hasim Rachman-like hematoma. Mark like and, yes. I mean, uh, or, or the guy, Mark Hominick, right? Yeah, Who did he fight against? That's a Canadian Jose guy, right? Aldo, yes, UFC. Yeah, I mean, right. just to see that. And to see that in a female fight, right? It just was crazy. Um, Submission of the year, uh, I'm going to give it to uh, Jimmy Flick last weekend, Flying what? Triangle. What? Right you were telling me about recent advice? No, wait, listen, listen. two days ago. <laughs> there's two. No, Jimmy Flick, there's two. Because you, you know who I was giving you it to? You can't give two. You got to give no, one. You know who I was, you know was going to give it to uh, Ariane Lipsky and um, Mackenzie Dern for those knee bars. But that, that Flying Triangle was insane. And also against the level of competition that he fought in order to pull it off. So wow. I'm Young DC, Jimmy right? Flying Triangle. Was that? Young DC. That's what I said. You know, I've never, I've never tried or would try nothing like that. <laughs> Knockout of the year. Um, I'm going with uh, Kevin Holland. You know, I, I like the, I know everybody's going to say Joaquin Buckley, but like I said, you know, the great Owen Hart, that was one of his finishing moves. So I've seen it time and time again. You know, I've seen Owen do that same move Joaquin did. So I'm going to go and say, when you knock somebody out off your back with hammer fist, insane. Female fight of the year, Zhang Wei Li. Sorry. <laughs> Female fight of the year, 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Say your point. Say your point. Go, go, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Female fighter of the year, Zhang Weili, because there is something to the level of competition. Valentin Shevchenko looked fantastic in winning two fights, but beating Joanna, to me, a little bit bigger than uh, the Jennifer Maya and Caitlin Chukagian fights at this point. Amanda Nunes fought Felicia Spencer. I know um, Amanda could probably be the fighter of the year every single year, but I'm going Zhang Weili. Male fighter of the year, Davison Figueredo. You know, we spoke about this last year, last week, I'm sorry. And um, when you could defend the, when you can win the belt, but not win the belt because you didn't make the weight and then win the belt again, defend the belt and then defend the belt, even though it was a draw, no champions fight four times in one year. And Davison Figueredo should be honored for that uh, schedule and um, the way that he's fought. Man, it's so typical that you wouldn't give it to Marvin Vittori after the snub, the EA snub. I can't believe you're doing Marvin what? Dirty like Fight that. of the year? Yeah, of course. What's he fought, one time? No, twice. I mean, he had that yeah. big win over Jack Hermanson. By the way, I love how you make a joke about recency bias. You give Kevin Holland, who just got that knockout two no, weeks but, ago, but, Figueredo. Joaquin Buckley. By the way, Joaquin these aren't Buckley the December knockout. awards. I'm talking about the 2020 awards, not the Joaquin December Buckley's awards Joaquin Buckley's knockout was fantastic, you know, but... Man, I've never seen when you I, I mean, I've never seen what Kevin Holland did, you know, and that's, that's crazy. I've never seen it. It just doesn't happen. OK. That was it. Didn't you have you another like one? that? Huh? You like another one? Didn't you have one more no. breakout fighter? Oh, breakout fighter. You. Yes. Kevin Holland. For sure. Kevin Holland. For sure. Oh, my gosh. I want to weigh in on this. Five thing. victories in seven months. Get that man in the game. Get Kevin Holland in the game. If only we knew someone that could get him in the game. And Ham- hey, Hamza Chimaev deserves an honorable mention. Oh, uh, honorable mention. You can't give it up. Hamza deserves an honorable mention, but so I'm going Kevin Holland. Right and you know what actually kind of put me over on, Ke- on Kevin Holland? Because mm-hmm. right after the fight, he's like, Hamza, what's up? Like, he, every, nobody wants to fight Hamza Chimaev, right? Kevin Holland's like, yo, you want to do it next week? I'm here. So you went from driving the bandwagon, the Hamzad bandwagon, to snubbing. Well, I'm still him. driving the Hamzad bandwagon, snubbing him. But I, but but you five five victories in seven months is it, it? Kevin Holland is the breakout fighter of the year. It's not even it's not even close. Well, I can't wait. I can't wait to get my pick. Watch how many of yours are the same as mine. Don't <laughs> don't buy. You know, just know now that you can't pick the same as I did. That's it. What you can't me. you can't. Don't worry. look like you're copying me. Most of them aren't the same because yours were just a little bit off. I mean, again, I will say these weren't the December awards. These were the 2020 awards that I was asking, but it seemed like you were focusing on December. That's all well and good. Uh, By the way, can I just quickly ask you? I mean, it's a a big week coming up. I've never celebrated Christmas in my life, ever, Uh, obviously being a Jew. What's the Cormier Christmas tradition? Like what happens? Okay, so normally we would go out to Christmas in the park in San Jose. Mm -hmm. there's some ice skating. We would usually do that on Christmas Eve. Obviously, that's not happening this year. Um, we eat dinner, and then we come home, and we'd hang out. And the next morning, we would do Christmas gifts, and the kids would enjoy it. We'd have a big old meal, and then we'd all pass out. And then we would make gumbo on the next day with the leftover turkey. We'd make gumbo. You have turkey on Christmas too, isn't that a Thanksgiving? We have, on, we have turkey on Thanksgiving. We have turkey on Christmas, and uh, we eat gumbo with the extra turkey on the day after. Wow. Are you yeah. going to do it again? Yes, I am. I'm definitely right. going to gumbo. I'm going to make jerk chicken on uh, Christmas Eve. So on Tuesday night, I'm going to make my jerk paste, and I'm going to start to marinate it for jerk chicken on Christmas Eve. 
hopefully we get to do these in person a little bit in 2021. What do you yeah, say? Man. Listen, it would Together. be fun. It'd be great. And and look, man, I, I got to be honest with you. I know I was mad at you. Beginning. I can't stay mad at you. I can't. You got that winning glow on you right now, too, the Buffalo Bills. I mean, you got that winning glow. I hope that you and the family are doing great. I hope that we did. We did something special this year together. And I know through 10 years, we built a friendship in the dark. That is now <laughs> light. And I appreciate, uh, I appreciate you, man. I would not want to do this show with anybody else. So it's been good. Also, man, let's just thank, let's thank the people that are helping us behind the scenes, you know, uh, Sean, Jake, Elisa, uh, Nick, like, like everybody that's, that's helping us. Troy. Troy. Yeah. TST. Look, all the, everyone's that's helping us. Glenn, uh, for giving us a chance, Justin Craig for seeing it in us from the very beginning. You know, there's been a lot of people that have really played a part in you and I having this opportunity and we're lucky to have them. Uh, Elizabeth, Brittany, Addison, Jordan, yeah. Alex, Michael wants over uh, a lot of names, a lot of great people behind the scenes. Uh, New York Rick and Tessa for all the clips that they oh, give us yeah, on the social best, media. The best social media team in the business. New York Rick and Tessa, they're crushing it. I mean, they are absolutely killing it. And they make people, they've made a lot of people aware of our shows. I've, I've had comments and where people go, I mean, who do these for you guys? I'm like, well, you know, we do work at ESPN. You know, this ain't your brother's podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we do work at ESPN, you know. And last but not least, thank you very much to the fans. Uh, the fans have been great to us. There's no better, there's no better message to receive, at least for me, when a fan writes me and says, thank you for giving me something to laugh about, to think about. Thank you for entertaining us. I look forward to Mondays. Like those are the best. And they really, you know, they really feel good in here. Yeah. So thank you for the fans as well. Yeah, the fans, we love you guys so much. Our guy, you know, uh, our guy does the photos. You know, oh, uh, Robert Pearson, how Robert, can we forget? Robert Pearson, you know, you can't forget Rob, you know. So uh, the fans have been fantastic. And you know what, man? Right away, they made us relevant on the, on the, uh, in, in terms of this company. You know, they, they put us right up there with some of the best podcasts at ESPN. And, and I, I don't like to just call it a podcast because it's so much more than that. But um, the fans have really elevated us as they've done for me at every point in my career. And they've done for you, you know, and that's why we've had the successes that we've had. So thank yeah. you guys. You know, no, it's great to see your career where it is after you got the Helwani rub. Like, I feel like you've just reached a whole other stratosphere. So I'm happy for you. I'm happy that you finally got the Helwani rub and hitched your wagon to the right horse. Uh, just to let everyone know, one more Ariel on the bad guy this week. Then I return on January 6th for the <laughs> prestigious. Bro, this is, I mean, we're over here. We're over here. Those awards. We're over here like and then January 11th. We're hugging. Hey, we're you and I are hugging, right? We're hugging. And then you look over the shoulder and talk about your other girlfriend. Like, I mean, that's you in a nutshell. We're back January 11th for a brand new episode of DC and Hawani. Happy holidays, everyone. Happy New Year. We love you very much. Back next year, same time and place. Until then, we say peace. We're out of here.